0: I'm Chris Reback. This is Working Capital Conversations. For anyone in the workplace, the question of how to move to the next level is complex and often personal. As leaders and managers seek higher responsibility and authority and impact, we often find that the very skills that got us to where we are now aren't especially useful in moving forward. For women in the workplace, this challenge often can be even more complicated. Few people have thought, written, or spoken more on the subject than Sally Helgeson, world-renowned women's leadership expert and co-author with best-selling writer Marshall Goldsmith of a really important new book, How Women Rise, Break the 12 Habits Holding You Back from Your Next Raise, Promotion, or Job. Sally notes that women's distinctive strengths and behaviors provide them with many advantages, yet the very habits that help them early in their careers can hold them back as they seek to rise. So how can women identify and address the habits most likely to get in their way as they seek to move to a higher level? Some background on Sally. She's an author, speaker, and consultant with a clear mission to help women recognize, articulate, and act on their greatest strengths. She's written a number of books, including the best-selling The Female Advantage, Women's Ways of Leadership, hailed as the classic work on women's leadership styles and continuously in print since 1990. Sally delivers workshops and keynotes in corporations, partnership firms, universities, and associations globally. She's consulted with the United Nations and led seminars at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Smith College. So how do women rise? That's what we discussed. Sally, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time.
1: My pleasure Chris. Good to be here.
0: So the book title is How Women Rise: Break the 12 Habits Holding You Back From Your Next Raise, Promotion, or Job. And let's let's get right into it cuz I confess I was struck by one component of the title and then in reading some of the other things that you've written um, it it I see it there too so I really want to you know hear your point of view on this the The twelve habits holding you back, and you even call them uh self sabotaging behaviors My initial yeah. kind of reaction to it was, could someone feel like that 's you know blaming i, I don 't want to say the victim but 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 that 's blaming you know the person it 's your fault um for why you haven 't risen or is that maybe Part of the point—it's meant that you know, taking one's own life into one's and uh, in, in career into one's own hands—you can't always control others, but you darn well can control your own actions. So, tell me about that particular component.
1: That's exactly it. In this book, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, my co-author and I, uh, sought to con- to focus on what women had within their control. We recognize and understand that there are structural and cultural impediments in organizations and in business that get in women's ways, and uh, we recognize that and appreciate that. Um, There is, If there's not a glass ceiling, there may be a glass wainscoting that still exists (laughs) for women. However, um, what we wanted to do was focus on ways in which women could Um, maybe not so much self-sabotage, but could undermine their own ability to get to the top through relying on behaviors that might have been helpful to them earlier in their careers, but that can begin to undermine them as they move higher. Uh, so that's really what we were trying to look at. The the template here was Marshall's wonderful book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, in which he looked at behaviors that can get in the way of successful people. Uh, most of his coachees, Marshall, as you may know, is ranked the number one uh, yeah. executive coach in the world, and most of his coachees, probably 75%, have been men, and I went to him at one point and I said, this, be- this template is wonderful and I love this book, but uh, for women, because uh, I've been doing women's leadership workshops around the world for the last 30 years, but for women, some of these behaviors don't apply and there are significant behaviors that I've seen undermine successful women on their way up that aren't represented here. So why don't we collaborate and look at that? Um, so for men and women, both. Uh, behaviors that served you well earlier in your career can get in your way. But in this book, we wanted to focus on those that can get in women's ways in order for them to, um, to be able to have some tools and some ideas about how to create more satisfying, rewarding, uh, and sustainable careers that give real scope to their talents.
0: Um, based off of what you just said, you have done this for a while. Yes. What's your take on the moment that we're in now, whether that's the, you know, whether it's the Me Too movement or, or just just the, the general um, awareness? I mean, uh, you know, on some levels, I, I feel like you guys might have top-ticked it here in terms of timing, um, a book on how yeah. women rise during the Me Too movement um, in this moment in our culture where there's at least some awareness, you know, I I might not, you know, I guess, and there's some action, too. I don't want to, you know, there's some action as well around gender inequality, opportunity, and that sort of thing. How would you characterize the moment we're in right now?
1: I think it's a moment of heightened awareness. And I think it's a moment where we sense a shift under our feet, both in terms of Me Too and looking at uh, sort of the prevalence of uh sexual harassment that does remain in the workplace, but particularly in terms of the pay equity issue, I think that there's a lot yeah. of pressure around both of these right now, and the the pressure is the result of women who have you know feel that they've been and have been uh, working very hard and uh, making a tremendous number of contributions. Uh, to their organizations, and don't feel often that they're fully recognized. Certainly know that they're um, not being fully compensated, uh, and are have become impatient with that. I have been watching this. You know, the um, my an earlier book that I wrote, The Female Advantage: Women's Ways of Leadership. Uh, which was published in 1990 and was the first book that looked at what women had to contribute to organizations rather than how they needed to ad- uh, change and adapt. Um, ever since that book came out in 1990, I've been making my way as a women's leadership expert, and I've been doing workshops for women all over the world basically since 1990, uh, to help them in different ways uh, recognize, articulate, and act on their greatest strengths. This book, How Women Rise, is very much in that tradition. So I have had a front row seat as a witness to watch the environment change. And I will tell you that from the helicopter view I have had, it has been, yes, perhaps slower than an idealistic person would have hoped for, but it has been consistent. The world has changed significantly for women. Organizations have. Um, There's much greater acceptance and recognition of their strengths and an understanding that those can be harnessed to make organizations successful. But that... that, mm, movement that I've watched for the last 30 years has been in some ways steady, but in other ways inconsistent. It moves forward in jerks and starts. And I think this is one of those moments that there is a jerk and a start and uh, increased awareness and recognition. And it's a very, it's very, very exciting to publish a book like How Women Rise in this environment, because one thing my many decades have taught me is that when it comes to publishing a book or putting new ideas out there in the marketplace, timing, if not everything, is almost everything.
0: It's it, it sure. I mean, it's, it's right up there. And I, it seems to me as well, in terms of connecting what you've written with the times that we're in, because of the increased awareness, because of the expectation for, okay, there, you know, there better be some action now, I would assume uh, that people, women in particular, you know, are looking for actual tools, it's kind of like, okay, there's this opportunity, there's this awareness, you know, there's a moment uh, where where there's some expectations for action. Now what now, you know, what am I supposed to do? H- how do I take this?
1: That's exactly right. Um, the, I, I think that times of action, and I, I feel that we're in a time when people are eager for action. Times of action are not characterized by a lot of angst and self-searching and feeling stuck. Times of action are saying, okay, what can I do? How can I move this forward? And I feel that How Women Rise is very, very well positioned to do that. It It does a great job, I, I believe, and it's based on decades of experience of articulating what the behaviors that get in women's ways actually look like. It's got lots of examples of that. It's got examples of how individual women who were who were stuck or, sa, or sabotaging to some degree their own careers because of these behaviors, how they address them. And then it's got a very strong template for action moving forward that is based upon the coaching practices uh, that Marshall developed and how we have both applied those when working with women. So I think it's a very actionable book and that's that's really the purpose of it. And you know again, the environment seems to suggest this is a time when when this is what people want
0: yeah it's a uh p r and uh marketing person's <laughs> dream and author, author's <laughs> dream so so let's get into it you you identify yeah. uh the the twelve habits and and based on research and and they all come to life of course through um stories and and while some of the names of course have been changed uh you know real stories of uh women in the workplace and and you know the, the habits that perhaps um, have gotten in their way, so so let's run through some of them, and also really, I, I, when we get done, I'd like to ask a little bit about this notion of habits as well, because changing a habit, um, you, you know, surely better than I do, um, you, you know, it's it's a lot about changing. Behaviors and routines and um, approaches, and and you've written about that about uh, approaching change from a purely psychological perspective and how daunting that can be. So, um, one of the so uh, we'll just choose kind of some of the habits that um, stuck out. The first one: um, reluctance to claim your achievements. Um, that is so hard for. Many of us, um perhaps uh, sorry yeah. for this, not so much for our president um he He seems to be <laughs> very <laughs> he happy to have any trouble no with that. no he's yeah. good on that he He claims <laughs> achievements, some of them you know, some of them are his <laughs> but we, should should we should we occasionally but but you know he's he's good on that front um should we all brag more?
1: I don't think we should all brag more. Um, One of the messages in this book is every single one of these behaviors is also rooted in a strength. And I don't think bragging really serves anyone. But what I have witnessed... Consistently over the years, and worked with women on is giving, automatically giving credit away to others, to team members, to collaborators, to bosses, and really f- refusing to accept it. Uh, we have a wonderful example in the book. It was a woman I worked with who was head of a nonprofit. In uh, Pittsburgh, and she had partnered with uh, the head of a, 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 a guy who was the head of a very successful, big, much bigger nonprofit in Pittsburgh, uh, in putting on a big, big fundraising event. And when the local newspaper interviewed her about it, um, she talked almost entirely about what he had done in order to uh, make this a success. And the next day they interviewed him and he also talked almost entirely about what he had done to make the event a success and when the piece came out in the paper um her board was very upset with her here you spent the entire time giving credit away to him you know we, we you should have taken some of that and um she i remember her saying to me she said i you know i thought i was being generous to him and i would have expected him to also be talking about what I what I did, but of course he was talking about what he did because he was focused on pleasing his board. Um, so this was a big learning curve for her. It was a big learning effort. Um, the point wasn't to brag. He he didn't brag. He just represented what his actual contribution had been. But for some reason, she felt that being a wonderful person entailed her talking just about exclusively about what he had done. And I've seen women play out that behavior often, um, to the point where it's very difficult for them to say a a simple thank you when someone compliments them for a job well done.
0: You've also written about a woman named Ellen.
1: Yes, (laughs) that's one of my favorite stories. Uh, Ellen was an engineer who I worked with out in Silicon Valley at a a major technology firm, and um, she was the best example. She's really what got me uh, started thinking about one of the behaviors in that book, which is expecting others to spontaneously notice and reward your achievements. Um, Ellen uh, felt that she was uh, she was an engineer, but she felt that she was very good at connecting people in her organization, getting to know people, helping resources to flow. A lot of people were in touch with her and relied upon her and When she had her first performance review with her new boss, uh, they went away on a retreat and he said um, his main ta- her main takeaway from his review was uh, She does excellent work, but she's not well-connected enough in the organization, and she went away from that performance review feeling devastated. She felt like she was unseen by him, unappreciated by him, and she even started to go down the track of, you know, maybe I don't belong in this job. Maybe I don't belong in this company, and it took her a couple weeks and then she had a epiphany or a recognition. She realized the reason he had no that he had no idea she was a good connector because she'd never told him. He didn't monitor her emails. Uh, he didn't watch who came in and out of her office. Um, so she began to devise a plan for letting him know. And she sent him an email once a week that just said, you know, here's some of the people I talked to this week, and she listed the names. And she said, uh, she said, I felt very awkward doing that. I felt as if he was going to think I was, you know, talking about myself or taking up his valuable time. Uh, She said, and the the next time I went in for a review with him, he, he said to me, this is information I need. Thank you for sending it because it helps me know who our division is connecting with. And her career took off from there. So it was really a key intervention was realizing that she was just expecting him to spontaneously notice and reward uh, what she was doing and that she needed to step up and articulate what her contribution was.
0: Yeah, that really uh, spoke to me. Many of us would think, "What? Why do we need to, you know, tell our boss or somebody what we're doing? We're 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 doing it. That's our job. My job is to do what I'm doing. Why do I need to, you know, I, I don't I don't announce that I showed up at work every day, you know? But why do I need to to let people know that? And yet, the the reaction, and and you know, good for that boss to acknowledge or make clear. Thank you. That was re- it's really helpful. You yeah. are delivering to me yeah. information that I need. And by the way, that's part of one's job, deliver information that, that colleagues and bosses and managers need.
1: It is. But also, you know, part of, part of positioning yourself to become more powerful and have more impact in your organization, um, it doesn't just require doing great work. It requires visibility. And you get visibility by connecting with people and talking about what you're doing. So if you leave the visibility part out of it, you know, one of the, the – it's kind of a – the visibility is a bridge between this expecting others to notice and reward and, and our next behavior, which is overvaluing expertise. If you just focus on the job and not upon bringing visibility to that job, um, it's not going to pay you uh, – Probably the rewards um, that will come with a promotion away from that job, because people are just say, "Oh, she's great at doing her job," but um, she, you know, you won't necessarily have the the visibility, and you also won't build the support that you need. Her boss, Ellen's boss, became a supporter of hers mm-hmm. because she proactively took the initiative to let him know what she was doing she she proactively courted that kind of visibility with him, so she turned him from a boss into a boss and an ally, and that worked very well for her going forward so So bringing attention to your achievements, um, not assuming that others are responsible for that um, is really a strong way of positioning and, and, and of gaining support for yourself uh, as you, as you work your way, um, through the organization.
0: Okay. And one, one more on the habits and then I want to, you know, move forward on, you know, what what we can do, um, putting your job before your career. Um, what's a job, what's a career and, and don't we all have to do our current job well before we can move on to the next stage of our career?
1: Of course we have to do our current job well and if you if if we don't do our current job well we're we're definitely not going to be considered for that next stage but um but there is always going to be more that people are going to be looking at than you know if you're doing a brilliant job of the job you have is basically a way of of showing that you're perfectly well-suited for the job you have. It's not indicating about where you could go. But one of the other things about putting your job before your career that I think can be, and have seen be problematic for women is getting stuck in a kind of loyalty trap where you feel so loyal to your job, to your boss, to your team that you 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 hesitate to take the steps it would take to move on because you almost feel as if you don't want to abandon them or you don't want to suggest to them that you don't really value working with them. And one of the many reasons this can be problematic is it it, it demonstrates that you're you're very internally focused. As you move higher in an organization, and remember the template here is always how behaviors that helped you may then get in your way as you move higher, being very loyal may have served you extremely well, nor are we recommending not being loyal. Hmm. But when you're very focused on, say, supporting and nurturing your team and you're not looking ahead... Then you're often perceived as being too internally focused because, in a more leadership uh, position, you tend to, there are more requirements to be externally focused. So, there are a lot of ways that that can come back to bite you, and it's good to balance them. What we're recommending is not, you know, don't think about your job, think about your career. We're recommending using your judgment. And thinking about both as you go along, thinking, how can I really do a superb job with this job, but also how can I make this job serve me to what I may want to do next, or where I may want to end up
0: and before we we move forward on on then the actions one can take, uh, just finishing up on Ellen um, wh- where is she now or or how did she how did her career track go?
1: <laughs> her career track went very well. She left the organization where she was, uh, which was one of the big legacy uh, technology companies. She went with a really uh, interesting startup that was doing some very, very early, uh, what we now know as social media things. Um, You know, she took a chance on it. She took a risk for it. Uh, She got a lot of um, stock for it, which was an uncertain proposition. And um, and she became one of the early people in on that venture, and uh, uh, really made out very, very well financially, and uh, placed herself well. And then ended up being an advisor for women who are seeking venture capital in Silicon Valley. So uh, it's been a very satisfying track for her.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe your next co-authorship <laughs> is is with Ellen, <laughs> Ellen and me. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, exactly. yeah, very compelling. So, so the way forward, um, uh, so I identify that I'm stuck, which we kind of yeah. glanced over. You, you mentioned it earlier in the conversation, but that's kind of a first stage that, that many, People, many women, many of us feel. You know, we recognize we're kind of stuck. Um, I figure out which of these habits, um, you know, are holding me back. Uh, personally, for me, I think it might be all twelve, but you know, we can talk about that another time, Doctor. <laughs> me
1: too. <laughs> um,
0: so, so now what? Um, what? What what do I do now that I've identified those habits?
1: Okay, I think the first thing and the most important thing what we really stress in the in the final section of our book is to to start small, to not just start with one habit, but to start with one part of one habit. Um, an example could be, you know, one of the behaviors is, is, is uh, offering too much information or too much background, being too diffuse in your communication. Um, and one of the things, so you might decide, you know what, I need to be more concise when I make presentations in meetings. So you start with one with one thing rather than saying, oh, I'm all over the place. How do I deal with this? You know, just identify one little bit of the behavior. Um, if you are not that great at, uh, if you're overvaluing expertise, you could say to yourself, you know, I'm going to focus on in uh, – w- Every single week, I'm going to try to bring someone new into my network here at, at my job or, you know, externally it could be. But I'm going to start practicing building support and visibility while I also focus on doing a good job with my job. So the first thing is to really, really start small. And um, that's how people change behavior. Habits that's how they change behaviors is not you know the sort of brand new me Monday morning approach, but let me see how I can attack this at a at a minor level and begin to practice a new behavior in a way that's measurable and then the second thing, and I think this is one of the things that is the strongest message in this book is to enlist help along the way. If you're trying to be more concise in presenting at a meeting, for example, then you can say to a couple people um, who you trust and who you believe have your best interest at heart, "Um, I'm trying to get more concise in my presentations. Could you watch me in this meeting and just give me any feedback? Let me know how you think I'm doing. Um, This has many Positive effects. It's a good way of bringing visibility to the fact that you're changing. You know, people are busy and they don't necessarily notice. Wow, so and so is getting much more um, crisp uh, in her communications. So Mm -hmm. you're you're drawing people's attention to that by asking them to watch. But you're also going to gather a lot of information, and you're going to end up with a lot of support. So. Uh, that's a really important part. Don't try to do it alone. Don't try to practice new behaviors um, or build new habits completely on your own. Get help, whether it's a coach, a peer coach, or just generally enlisting colleagues to help you in your efforts.
0: And, and Sally, just to close out, what kind of reaction do you get to your comments and your analysis and, and your guidance, particularly and particularly, I guess, among um w- women leaders as they move up the ranks but is there is there a segment in one's career where um people seem to react most strongly to what you say um and what you know and and what are the reactions that you get
1: you mean to this book specifically, or to my, the general career? Because well, it's uh, tough. The book
0: oh, just, just the book published. just came out, yes. Right. So, so I guess generally. But I, I assume that that elements of this book yeah. are things that you talk about uh, with women, you know, generally as well. No, absolutely, I, yeah.
1: yes, that's correct. The the. Reaction I have gotten consistently, and this started almost the day that The Female Advantage was published. I began getting letters because that's how you heard from readers back then. The The one reaction that has been most consistent from women has been, you really helped me see that my style is a leadership style. I thought it was just how I did things. So I feel that what I've been able to do in these 30 years, my consistent mission has been helping women recognize, articulate, and act on their greatest strengths. And I feel that what, when I succeed in that, women feel like they have a better language to describe why their contributions are essential going forward, and that helps them better position themselves as leaders and it makes them more confident about what they have to bring and contribute.
0: Sally, thank you. Thank you for your time and uh, great luck with the book. It was a terrific read for me, and I know others will like it a great deal as well.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. It's been enjoyable talking to you.